0: hello i bring you greetings from lincoln christian university let me take time to pray for you this morning father we come before you and we lay your word at your feet and we know your promise is true that your word will bring a harvest and we pray for that harvest in our lives today i thank you for your bride the church today may we honor you in all we say and do it's in your name we pray and for your sake Amen. Charles Darwin had a problem. What separates humans from the rest of the animal kingdom? In many ways, he saw himself as just a different animal, but he also saw himself as unique. So what was it that made us unique? What made us different? What made us special? Darwin saw our moral capacity The complexity in which we make choices and consider consequences. And he recognized this as the greatest difference between humanity and everything else. Now, I would take this analogy a step further. Humans are the only species capable of recognizing and controlling their baser instincts. We go beyond things like survival instinct or desire to procreate. Humans see things in terms of right and wrong. You hear it in our vocabulary. There's a difference between self-defense and murder, working and theft, consensual relations between husband and wife, and sexual assault. We have the capacity to recognize a choice in terms of its moral implications. But here's my question. If we are so capable of analyzing choices based upon its moral implications, based upon its consequences, then why on earth are we so bad at it? There's an answer to the big question, what makes humanity so special. We find it at the beginning of the book, Genesis chapter 1. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. The imago Dei, the image of God. We are made to look like, to reflect, to demonstrate our creator in every aspect of our being. But my question still stands. If we were created to demonstrate God in every aspect of who we are, then why on earth are we so bad at it? We find Adam and Eve in Genesis standing in the one place in the garden that could get them in trouble. We find them listening to the wrong voice, hiding from God, accusing one another, wandering far from Him. Can we be honest for just a second? Left to ourselves, we get messy. There are battle lines that are drawn between who we are created to be and who we choose to be. The Apostle Paul nailed it in Galatians 5 when he said this. He said, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Did you hear that? There's a reason Why the flesh and the spirit are in conflict with each other. Now, if you read Galatians chapter 5, you recognize Galatians 5 is just some good old-fashioned preaching, boys and girls. Paul says things like, don't use your freedom in Christ to indulge your selfish nature. He says we're not justified by obedience to the law, which is a good thing because we're going to obey it anyway. Instead, we are justified by grace. And because of that, we are to love one another and serve one another. Because that conflict between the spirit and the flesh is going to happen. It has to happen. Because if it doesn't happen, then we are going to do whatever we want to do. And I promise you one thing. Doing whatever you want will not end well. I'm telling you, there's something to be said. Little kids in the kitchen with Nesquik spilled all over the floor. There's something to be said for adult supervision. And maybe this burglar who found out the hard way, there are some fences you're not supposed to climb. But we continue to climb. We continue to walk through the door that the first Adam opened. I do what I want to do, and I want to do what I want to do, and that attitude puts me in conflict with my creator. And the only person that can deal with this mess that the first Adam started, the mess that you and I continue to make, is the second Adam. But God demonstrates, God shows, God his own love for us in this while we were still sinners christ died for us left to ourselves we are messy but there's another beautiful truth jesus meets us there jesus meets us in our mess So what is it that makes our mess into a holy mess? Here's what it's not. It's not your effort to change. How often do we try harder and fall farther? How many people have given up because they simply could not will themselves to be better? I'll tell you what it's not. It's not some spiritual lottery where the father chooses his favorite kids And everyone else gets table scraps That God cleans up some Messes but he's not capable of Cleaning out mine All you gotta do is go back a couple of chapters In Romans to what Paul says In Romans 3 he says For all have sinned For all that you know, Have sinned and fall short Of the glory of God And all That's you That's me All are justified freely by the grace that came through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Love Paul's heart in this text. The ultimate act of love came in the midst, in the middle of the ultimate act of rebellion and defiance. While we were still sinners, not When we chose to clean ourselves up, not when we stopped sinning, but while we were in the depths of our rebellion, Christ died for us. One of my favorite stories is the story of the prodigal son. You might have heard it. A young man, a younger brother, decides he wants his inheritance before his father dies, and so he demands it. And surprisingly, his father gives it to him. And he takes the money from his inheritance, and he goes to a faraway country and spends it all on, shall we say, frivolous living. And eventually, as such things are prone to happen, the money runs out. And when the money runs out, the friends disappear. And when the friends disappear, famine comes. And this young man finds himself feeding pigs. Good job for a little Jewish boy feeding pigs in the hopes of maybe eating some of what they have. And Jesus says that he finally comes to his senses. Good for him. And he realizes that if he goes home, at least he won't starve to death. Maybe my father will make me a servant. At least I know the servants eat in my household. And so he begins the long journey home. And as he begins the journey home, he begins to practice His speech You know that speech when you're making the walk of shame Maybe you've done that, I don't know But as he does the walk of shame He practices this speech Father, I've sinned against heaven And against you And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son Please make me like one of your hired men And as he continues on his way home He practices his speech over and over again I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me a servant. Well, you might know the story. As he grows closer, his father sees him while he's a long way off, and his father gets up and breaks all patriarchal protocols of the day and runs to his son. grabs him and Kisses him, orders a royal robe and a ring, and fat and calf to be killed for the party to come. My son, who's lost, is now found. And what's funny about this story is as the father is doing this, the son begins his speech. He begins to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the funny part is, the father's not listening to a word he says. He's too busy ordering the party supplies. He's too busy getting the ring and the robe and the roast ready to go. What's really interesting about this story is that for all of his effort, the son practiced the wrong speech. Did you hear what he said? He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Now, now that part of the speech was absolutely correct. That's what he said next. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I don't know where you are in your mess. You need to hear me on this Because no matter who you are No matter where you are There is a truth here to be found And the truth is simply this Whether or not You are worthy In the sight of your father Is not your call It's not your decision To make It's his And my father Deemed you worthy, worthy enough to send his son to die for you, to live for you and in you and through you. My father chose you to be his child, to be his heir, to be his co-worker. You are worthy because he says that you are worthy. Jesus meets us in our mess And reminds us of who we are. And restores us to the Father who begins the painfully beautiful work of transformation. Shaping us to look like his son. I love what old Paul told young Timothy. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the worst. He says, Paul says, Paul says, you got to understand, I am the first in line of all the sinners. I am the top of my class. I am the valedictorian of sin school. I am the mold from which all other sinners are cut. I am the prototype for everyone to follow. I am the premier example of what it means not to do right things. I am the best example of how to mess things up. But, what he says, but for that very reason. I was shown mercy. You might be a mess. You might be the biggest mess you have ever known. But my Jesus has a way of taking messes like you and like me and cleaning us up. And Jesus doesn't hold his nose at our sin. He doesn't hold us at a distance in repulsion. He is the father in Luke 15. He is the one who runs to his prodigal child and welcomes us home with a ring and a robe and a cookout. But don't miss this. Paul's not done yet. Don't miss the results of that redemptive reunion that Paul talks about. Patience of God's has a purpose. Jesus Christ shows mercy in the worst of our messes as an example. what he says. So that he might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe and receive eternal life. Left to our own devices, we are messy. But we have Savior who meets us in that mess, and here's why. We now get to help others in their mess. Paul tells a story to the church of Corinth. It's a story about a leader named Moses. Who would spend time in the presence of God. He would go into his tent. He would be with God in the tent of meeting, the tent where the presence of God dwelled. And when he left that tent, his face would glow because he had been in the presence of the king. And we learned in the Old Testament that Moses would cover his face in order to keep the people around him from freaking out at what they were seeing instead of listening to what he was saying about who God was. So Paul tells that story to the church at Corinth, a story they probably knew, but he reflected on it in an amazing way. And he said that, he said that when the veil was before Jesus came, there was a veil that covered their hearts a veil that kept them from seeing and understanding who God is and what he was all about. But check out what he says in 2 Corinthians 3. He says this, he says, but when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil, the covering is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who would love this, unveil faces contemplates the Lord's glory being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit we are being transformed into the image of God we are being made more and more to look like Jesus every single day God takes the mess That he finds in us, and from our mess, he creates a holy mess. A mess that honors God. An image that is worth sharing. We get to live the life of the unveiled face. A life that shows the glory of God to the world and the change that he continues to make in us. I'm sure that Moses was probably not much to look at by this point. His first 40 years in Egypt, the next 40 as a shepherd and minion, and taking time, 40 years to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land, I'm certain all those years took their toll. He's an old man. And yet he carried a glory that changed a nation follower of jesus christ hear me today you carry the glory of god when you have the holy spirit of god who lives in you we live the life of the unveiled face he takes our mess and he makes us holy He speaks into that mess and he transforms us into the image of his son. We look more and more like Jesus, but that is not just for us. We do not be transformed simply for the sake of our own transformation. We are transformed in order that we might help others to know who Jesus is. And the beauty of our glory, our glory's one up on Moses. Moses had glory, but oh my goodness, my friends, you have glory too. And you carry a glory that never fades. Because you don't leave the presence of God. His spirit lives and breathes in you and turns your mess into a holy mess. One that reveals his power working in you. I know that you don't have it all together. Congratulations, I am the mayor of not having it together, Bill. We're a mess. But we have a God who spoke into our mess. And he sent his son to live and to die and to live again. Through us in order that he might be glorified. I love this quote from Ray Orland. It says, uh, you, my friend, are endless human need. And the Lord says, I'm fine with that. Because the Lord does his best work with messy people, left to ourselves, our mess only gets worse but Jesus doesn't leave us to our fate guys today is a great day to start living again in the words of Max Lucado God loves you just the way you are but he refuses to leave you that way he wants you to be just like Jesus You have a church here that would love nothing more than to help you take that next step. All of us are just messy people who have been cleaned up by the blood of Jesus. And we've been cleaned up for a reason so that we can glorify God by helping you to do the same. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I come before you today grateful. Well, the fact that you spoke into our mess, you stepped into it, and you cleansed us by your blood, your sacrifice, your presence, your spirit transforms us and shapes us into the image of your Son. We get to look more and more like Jesus every single day, even in the midst of the mess around us. Are we perfect? Not yet, but you are. And so we put our trust and our hope in you. I pray today for those that are here that just might be today, might be the day when they say it's time. It's time to give up my mess and hand it over to the only one who can really clean it up. I tried as it worked. I need Jesus to make this mess into holiness. So today, Lord, we um, we invite you to do your thing in our lives. And may you get the glory as we live the life of the unveiled face. It's in your life-changing name that we pray. Amen. God bless. Have a great day.